1: Wrestling fans recording this on the 18th, Monday, the 18th or Tuesday, the 18th router. Uh, so I may miss some stories, uh, but you are listening to the next pillar, which is uh, your AEW podcast. It's also the newest AEW podcast. It's also the only AEW podcast as of right now on the voices of wrestling feed. Uh, hopefully you will subscribe to us there. Uh, if you'd like to support the show, uh, have a page on coffee or as wrestling fans might instinctually pronounce it Kofi uh, that's K O F I K O dash dot slash the next pillar a W. And if that's too hard to remember uh, you can uh, visit me on Twitter at Blake and I'll have a link there uh, just in my bio and uh, your support means a great deal. Um, don't have too many expenses in doing the show, uh, but I do have some, and it would be nice to have those covered. Uh, it starts out at $3, so you can literally buy me a coffee, which is the point of the site. Um, and I will say, the coffee that I usually drink, I actually can buy for $3. So don't feel like, oh, well, I want to give to the show, but with $3, can you even get a coffee? I can't. Don't worry. I can It's a little iced Americano. That's how they get you. Or, how they would like to get you is with the lattes and the mochas and all that. You just get a nice little iced Americano. You maybe add some mocha to it, a little mocha sauce. Sometimes they'll charge you for that. A lot of times they don't. Uh, in any case, uh, you can find me on Twitter again uh, at BlakeOnWax is my handle there. And many of you did. Uh, I had a lot of very nice messages from folks who. Seem excited to have another AEW podcast here on the Voices of Wrestling feed. Uh, A couple people, maybe not as positive, uh, had some feedback from one David Griffin at Blake on Wax. Jesus Christ, will you edit out the fucking one million times that you say, uh, what the fuck? Uh, so sorry about that, David, uh, may have mentioned uh, that show was kind of just meant to be a preview. So I didn't use like a run sheet or an outline or anything of that nature. Uh, very much just kind of spoke to what was on the very top of my head. Um, something I will mention, though, and yes, I know I just said um that wasn't intentional. I'm not I'm not trying to to get your goat, David. What I will say, though, uh, most people don't edit out ums because that would be very time consuming. They just train themselves to not say them. And so that is what I'm going to try to do uh, throughout the show. Uh, he did also clarify, though, because <laughs> uh, as I am want to do, I wanted to take the high road on Twitter. Just thanked him for listening. And he responded back saying that he won't make that mistake again. So shout out to you, David. It's good to uh, it's good to have some high standards. I hope maybe you do listen again, though, because I do plan on uh, having a bit more of a polished uh, presentation than that preview episode. And maybe I. Uh, Did not do myself the best service putting that out, but I'm back this week and I will be back each and every week on Wednesday to bring you the latest goings on in AW and previewing that night's uh, Dynamite, which we will get to uh, just a little bit later. And I will be back to preview uh, this week's episode of Dynamite in a minute. Again, my name is Blake. You can find me on Twitter at Blake on Wax. If you'd like to support the show... You can visit coffee.com. That's K-O uh, slash or dash F I dot com slash next pillar AW. Or the next pillar aw. Or you can just visit me on Twitter, at Blake on wax. I'll be back in a minute. back uh so tonight's episode of dynamite coming to you live from washington dc is this uh, they're gonna have some graphics here is this the first time that cm punk has worn pants in washington dc it's the first time that cm punk has uh uh been happy in washington dc i'm just wondering how they'll try to spin that to make it uh somehow novel cm punk's first time wearing pants in washington dc uh Speaking of Washington, D.C., you know who they should get on this show is Johnny Gill. My guy Johnny Gill from Washington, D.C. Tony, if you're listening, get the man some tickets. Should look up his uh, cameo on Family Matters. He's a very charismatic man. Uh, More celebrities that made cameos on Family Matters should be featured on AEW programming. Uh, So tonight we have Dynamite, again, coming from Washington, D.C., uh big thing out of this show uh some news earlier today and I couldn't be more excited to have uh John Moxley back so this is kind of I uh the main headline of this show is going to be the return of John Moxley uh for those uh thinking about tuning in or not um something that struck me uh thinking about John Moxley is just how much more I've ended up missing John Moxley uh than I thought that I would when he ended up going out a few months ago. Uh and that really speaks just to the quality of uh John Moxley and what he brings to the program. Uh just since AEW does have such a, a high amount of you know main event talent, so to speak, uh it would be easy to get lost in the shuffle. I think we certainly did not miss Chris Jericho when he left for a few weeks. In fact maybe he should have left for a few months and not been on TV. Uh, someone like John Moxley, though, is someone that you miss just because of what he brings to that title picture. I'm like most excited to see uh, where John Moxley goes next. I think uh, they really did. I think want to present that Moxley Danielson match uh, th- that was going to happen before full gear in that full gear eliminator tournament. I think the appeal for that match to a Brian Danielson is just since he's been back in the company, he's had a lot of different kinds of matches with a lot of different people. I think he knows that to really cement himself as like, wow, Brian Danielson is really this is what a tremendous comeback in wrestling this this Brian Danielson run here. I think really to cement that, I think he knows that he needs to have the kind of like drag out brutality, uh, just that unscripted violence that John Moxley brings. I think he knows that he needs to have a match like that because uh, he has had some matches with blood, some matches you know um, that. Uh, have I've, where he's been able to showcase that kind of more hardcore part of his persona. Uh, I think there's really nothing compared to getting in the ring with John Moxley that they kind of come back and tie up those loose ends and, and give us that Brian Danielson, John Moxley match. I know they were obviously both in WWE together, but this isn't WWE. And we know that seeing Brian Danielson, the American dragon in 2022 wrestle John Moxley Former AEW champ John Moxley, I think that would be something that really would be special and something that uh, could absolutely steal a show or pay per view. Uh, so that's what I'm most excited about is just seeing what happens with John Moxley next. They were obviously teasing that heel turn for a few weeks uh, before he left. Obviously, nobody is going to brew John Moxley at this point coming back from rehab. I. Could see them maybe tinkering with that potential match with uh, Brian Danielson, uh, just because I do feel like it's a page feud. I kind of always read it as like a HBK versus Hogan at SummerSlam kind of heel turn, where it's kind of a situational heel turn. And then after that program's done, the fans would then cheer him again. That's kind of how I viewed that this recent Brian Danielson heel turn. Um, as a situational one. And so for me, it wouldn't surprise me if they flipped Danielson back face and had him uh, just go on and do something entirely different. I do think, though, there would be a lot of value uh, in a Moxley-Danielson match. Again, uh, whether that's a a face-versus-face match or if they want to have Danielson continue to play heel, I really do think it would be just a tremendous match and uh, likely the match that should or would decide who the, the next number one contender is going to be. Uh, so that's what I'm most excited about for that turn of John Moxley. Uh, Brian Danielson. Currently, uh, there's no word about plans for him on the show. I would assume that we'll at least hear from him in some way or another. Uh, another thing that I would like to see them revisit, uh, you may remember, uh, just after John Moxley departed, uh, CM Punk had a few words to say, words of encouragement, uh, I do think that would be one of those rare situations where you have a feud in wrestling, uh, where you're able to see kind of both both perspectives, both sides. And I do think that there could be a really interesting angle to be had if, at some point, John Moxley targets CM Punk and says, "Hey, what's the deal with those words of encouragement that you gave me? Like, I don't need, I don't need your help. I don't need someone, uh, you know, who's straight edge judging me drinking." I think there's a lot of ways that they could go with it, even though I think in that moment that was, you know, CM Punk being genuine and trying to just be kind. I think there's a real opportunity there to start a really interesting feud. One, I guess, a little similar in dynamics to the feud that CM Punk had with Eddie Kingston, uh, but an an interesting feud nonetheless, and one that I would like to see. Uh, So that's just another thing from a few months ago that I'm hoping that they'll come back and just tie up those loose ends. Also on the show... Uh, Serena Deeb fighting Sky Blue. Uh, I assume that this match is going to be a squash just kind of given Sky Blue's um, omnipresence on Dark. Uh, So I'm not expecting this to be a great match. Some interesting discussion about this kind of like latest direction from Serena Deeb over the past few weeks. Uh, There seems to be With her heel character, a couple people have kind of likened it to like a Karen or like the mean gym teacher that you didn't like kind of dynamic. Uh, I think they should really lean into that. I think that there is just kind of like this intangible, like unlikable quality uh, to her. Uh, I'm sorry. I feel like I could sound like I'm talking about Hillary Clinton right now. I'm not trying to. Uh, <laughs> but that is kind of the vibe that she, uh, gives off. And I think it could be a really effective way of getting heat. And I think having, you know, kind of like a mid card, uh, firmly established, like mid card heel, like Serena Deeb in the women's division would just be fantastic. Um, and they should just continue to feed her, uh, kind of these like up and coming stars and kind of book them in these nice little programs like, uh, she's had with Akaroshita, uh, who, did leave for Japan I'm definitely going to miss her on the show uh, she's probably one of my favorite uh, women stars that AEW has right now uh, it's a little underrated frankly she's kind of one of those wrestlers that AEW has where I feel like she's a little bit more over with the crowd than she's being booked uh, someone else who is kind of like that is uh, Malachi Black you know they have these wrestlers who uh, it's like their level of overness is not really congruent with how they're being booked that's exactly how I feel about Akara Ishida. I think some, she's someone that has high ceiling and they could be utilizing better. So hopefully when she comes back from Japan, uh, they can get a nice little run out of her, have her get that um, win back. Well, I guess not get the win back since it was an actual match, but have her uh, you know, avenge that attack by Serena Deeb uh, and maybe get her started to you know challenge for the TBS or main AW Women's Championship. I think that'd be great. Uh, also, speaking of Malachi Black, a great tag match, I expect, uh, from House of Black and the Varsity Blondes. I think this angle has been a little odd. I don't really think, you know, Malachi Black is an example of someone where I do feel like sometimes the AEW creative, uh, they will sometimes fail to pounce on things. Um, it's kind of like when you were a kid and, uh, let's say your mom, uh, she bought everything to make tuna casserole and you're on your way home and you see out of the corner of your eye, Hey, that's the new pizza place. And they're, they're having this nice opening day sale. Mom, can we please go get some pizza? Uh, sometimes Tony Khan can be the mom that says, no, we're having tuna casserole. And with the case of Malachi Black, I do think, uh, there was a point over the summer uh, where I the fans of AEW were ready to buy Malachi Black as a top guy. And I mean a top guy. Uh, and because you know they wanted to kind of wrap up these other storylines that they had going on, uh, they've kind of just had Malachi back on the back burner. That was very hard to say, harder than you think it is. They've had Malachi Black on the back burner, uh, four months. And as a result, he's nowhere near as over as he was over the summer. Uh, I do think though, obviously, you know, giving him his own faction with Brody King and hopefully maybe even someone else, uh, that's a good way to get him back over. And he has someone where, uh, you know, some, some wrestlers can have that moment. It passes. You can't get it back. Uh, Malachi Black is the kind of transcendent talent where they can get him back to being that over very quickly. Uh, in terms of this match in particular, Varsity Blondes, eh, they've been a little bit rough in the ring, you know. especially Brian Pillman Jr., who has a tremendous amount of potential, uh, someone who definitely should delete their Twitter account, but a lot of potential nonetheless. Uh, I'm not too excited to see them wrestle tonight, with the exception, have they been teasing a Julia Hart heel turn a little bit? I kind of feel like they have. I would love to see a Julia Hart heel turn. I would love to see Julia Hart in the House of Black. uh, Just because it would be unexpected and it would be fun. And I think it's really been a long time since we've had a valet heel turn. Uh, And I, for one, am ready for one. And I think that this would be just a great potential for a heel turn to have Julia Hart turn on the varsity blondes join the house of black dire hair there's just a lot of potential there i would love to see it uh cm punk also fighting sean spears you know i've enjoyed this cm punk mjf feud uh my favorite parts of this feud though were kind of at the beginning i think mjf is kid he's kind of he's they're kind of settling into this pattern because uh, this feud between CM Punk and MJF felt very fresh at the beginning of it. It was, I believe, AW uh, coined the phrase, it was the confrontation that we didn't know that we needed to see. That's exactly how I felt about it when CM Punk's music hit when MJF was out and he confronted them for the first time. Um, I was so excited. I did not expect them to go there and I was so excited that, that they went there uh, just because I knew it would be a great feud. I will say, though, uh lately, especially, you know, CM Punk fighting Sean Spears, CM Punk fighting Wardlow, this is feeling a little too similar uh, to the Chris Jericho feud that MGF had. In fact, it's basically the exact same pattern. Uh, so I've been a little disappointed in that regard. I'm hoping that this match against Sean Spears uh, will be the end of kind of like this uh, the trials of Jericho type booking that they've been doing with MJF feuds. I think part of the reason why for me it's a little frustrating is I could use some kind of kayfabe explanation as to why a guy like CM Punk can't just text Tony Khan and get the match. Stop and think about this. <laughs> this is this is the highest profile star uh, you know, in AW currently. This is the guy that. You know, really put Rampage on the map with that appearance. In a kayfabe situation, CM Punk is going to be able to get whatever match he wants. I need to see some kind. I would like to have some kind of explanation. And sometimes AEW is like that. Like we really weren't ever given a like kayfabe explanation as to why like Dustin Rhodes was in that Eliminator tournament. They do this a lot. Uh, where they'll set up, you know, this very elaborate ranking system. And theoretically, that ranking system should be the thing that governs, you know, who gets a match, who gets a title match, who, who who, and why are these people fighting? They've given themselves this built-in kayfabe explanation that they can use for any number of things. And I'm always just struck by how often they choose not to use that uh, kind of, uh, what is it? It's like a trap door. Yes, that trap door to escape from tricky situations. It's just like a trapdoor. So I'm a little confused as to why uh, one CM Punk cannot get a match with MJF. Uh, I would just like to have some kind of explanation, just because they will come up with kayfabe explanations for any number of things. Uh, I would like to know why CM Punk can't just have a match with MJF. Hopefully we get that match set soon because I have been just a little bit bored by kind of the current state of that feud. Also on tonight's show, Sting and Darby Allin versus The Acclaimed, a match that I don't really care all that much about. Speaking of loose ends that I would like to see them tie up, what happened to that whole thing with Andrade wanting to buy Darby Allin? What happened to that? So I'm hoping we get an update on that. I would love it if Andrade's entire gimmick uh, was just assuming that people were like indentured servants and trying to buy them. I think that's, <laughs> uh, I, I think that has endless potential. Uh, I honestly see the logic. Like, okay, there's a 60 year old man in makeup. Here's the you know 20 something year old kid that also has makeup that's with him all the time. Obviously, this person is this other man's slave. Uh, you just, you know, you just, you, you see the logic. I see the logic. I see the logic on And, uh, I would love to know what happened. Did he buy Darby Allen? Is Darby Allen not for sale? Uh, is Sting not willing to part with Darby Allen? I just, I need to see some kind of explanation as to what happened there. Uh, I guess you could say the show is headlined tonight's dynamite. That is. Uh, by a mixed tag match, Britt Baker and Adam Cole versus Chris Statlander and Orange Cassidy, uh, should be a fun match. I'm looking forward to seeing just how frequently we see Adam Cole with Britt Baker. I'm hoping that's one of those things that they know that you need to do that pretty sparingly for that to still be fresh and exciting it absolutely is exciting to see this match tonight. I'm just not wanting them to overuse that. Uh, And I do feel like the potential of this kind of, I thought it was pretty interesting. There was a story that came out the other day just that AEW did file for that trademark for uh, Paragon, which is the, uh, it's a name that uh, uh, Kyle O'Reilly actually referred to uh, this group of him, Bobby Fish, and Adam Cole as the paragon of A.W. I guess they filed for that uh, just as a copyright, trademark. I actually don't know if it's a trademark or a copyright, so uh, anyone that does, at Blake on Wax, let me know. I would love to know. Um, so I'm interested to see just when they make that official, you know, that this trio is called this, and just what that means for the long-term booking in terms of it does seem like they are going to split this faction one way or another, Um, So I'm interested to see where things end up. If uh, Paragon ends up being like Britt Baker, Adam Cole, and Red Dragon, and that's the group. Or if they're going to kind of continue kind of keeping these factions under one roof of Paragon and then also the Elite. Uh, This is a great situation to be in because as fans, we can see uh, just how many great matches uh, could occur as a result of this faction. I know a lot of folks have seen an awful lot of Young Bucks and Red Dragon. I think, again, you know, uh, seeing a match in a different context makes it different. Uh, Seeing those teams fight in, you know, at a Ring of Honor show is a lot different than on an episode of Dynamite or hopefully, you know, a pay per view. Um, And these wrestlers know that. And I think that they will deliver. And uh, I I think when we get this inevitable Young Bucks-Red Dragon match, I think that match is going to blow any other matches that those teams have had out of the water, frankly. Um, And I'm looking forward to seeing it. And lastly, on Dynamite, at least according from what I could find, this is the last thing that I was able to find, uh, Cody Rhodes appears. I actually have quite a bit to say about Cody Rhodes, uh, so I will be back in a minute. Cody Rhodes. So yeah, I did have just a few thoughts uh, just on this recent uh, Cody Rhodes uh, situation. I was actually really worried uh, that this Cody Rhodes story would be kind of like the big recent story to talk about. So that's why I was, among other reasons, really looking forward to, uh, or really excited to see that John Moxley was returning. Uh, I am going to talk a little bit about this situation with Cody Rhodes. I think this is probably my favorite example of a non-story, frankly. Uh, I I think that everyone knows, uh, whether he has a contract or not, I think that everyone knows that Cody Rhodes is not going anywhere. Uh, He has the TNT title. He has a show on the Turner Network. He's not leaving for WWE. We all know this. I would say though, if Cody Rhodes left AEW for WWE, that would really be the most depressing departure that you could possibly have. Even it's even more depressing than CM Punk because you know, a man of CM Punk's stature, if he came, if he went back to WWE, they would have to do some cool stuff with him. They would have to. Any person of that stature, they would have to do a few cool things with them. Someone like Cody Rhodes, if he went back to WWE, you know what's happening there. We already know. And on top of that, he's not going anywhere. Uh, probably the best example of a non-story uh, that I can think of. Uh, we all know he's not going anywhere. Uh, the, all of the writers who have been writing about this story and covering it as if he could actually plausibly make an, an appearance at the Royal Rumble. Uh, then again, these are the same people who thought that the rock was going to be at survivor series. So you have to take that with a grain of salt, but the idea that people who actually like get paid to write about wrestling would cover this story as if there's any remote possibility of Cody Rhodes just leaving AEW in general, but specifically leaving AEW to appear at a WWE pay-per-view. Uh, it's just not happening. And I think we all know that I think even, uh, Those of us who might want to see something like that happen, I think it will be an important moment, uh, you know, in the company for AEW when they lose their first start to WWE because that really hasn't happened. They, uh, or anyone of significance, I should say. Um, And it will happen at some point, you know, they will lose an MJF, they will lose a Jungle Boy, someone like that. They will end up losing because the WWE is always going to be able to offer more money. Uh, you know, regardless of what Tony Khan says. Uh, I do think at some point they will lose someone. They are not losing Cody Rhodes at any point, And they are certainly not losing him now. Uh, and I understand, you know, a lot of these, these writers, uh, you know, they need to write certain things to maintain access, to maintain relationships. That all makes sense to me. And regardless of what this story was setting the table for, whether that's, Cody Rhodes maybe wanting a few more thousand dollars in his contract, whether that's simply just them setting up this Cody Rhodes promo for tonight to have a lot more intrigue than it normally would. Or, you know, maybe this was just a situation of them needing another angle for, you know, Rhodes to the top on, uh, you know, TNT. Uh, I mean, that certainly to me seems like a great angle for a reality show is, you know, Cody doesn't have a contract. What's going to happen kind of situation. I would at least like to think that for most wrestling fans out there, uh, there's not going to be too much excitement stirred by these recent stories. I would like to think that everybody can kind of like see the writing on the wall and realize that this is just, again, yeah, some table setting working the media. Working the refs, so to speak. Uh, My hope is that all of you out there know that Cody Rhodes is not going anywhere. Uh, While we're on the subject, though, I am pretty interested to see just how uh, they resolve this situation with the TNT title. I was mentioning last week just how uh, I really do hope that we don't get another Cody Rhodes-Sammy Guevara match. Um, The last one was good. The one before that was good. I don't think that there's really anyone dying to see that match at this point especially right now and i think it's like the perfect opportunity for them to turn into some kind of multi-man situation uh like a four-way match and maybe include some talent that hasn't gotten a chance uh to be featured on tv that much i don't know if any of you all caught that terminus show over the weekend uh, as a fun little show um fantastic match from uh jordan grace and kira hogan uh so If you haven't seen that match, go find that match. It's a great match. Uh, I was mostly struck by uh, just how great Lee Moriarty is. That's someone who AEW could be using so much more than they are. Um, So that would be my pick of someone that should be tossed into that kind of multi-man situation for the TNT title. I would love to see Lee Moriarty, especially in a four-way. That would just be fantastic. So now as we're coming to kind of like the end of the show here, I did want to touch base just uh, about the future of the show. Uh, Kind of the way I have the current schedule set up is that episodes will always go up on Wednesday. It's always going to kind of be your go-to preview for that evening's episode of Dynamite. Uh, So that's always going to be kind of like the format of the show. It's kind of a lot of it is going to be a Dynamite preview because that just makes sense. I did have a few folks tell me that they were looking forward to the fact that it comes up on Wednesday and that they're hoping they're hoping that I'll uh, cover some of the goings on from that previous weekend, just because there's not really a weekly podcast that does a lot of coverage with Rampage, uh, at least that's not behind a paywall. I would be able to kind of like do some review coverage of Rampage. Uh, so let me know again, at Blake on Wax on Twitter uh, at Blake on wax. Uh, if you'd like to see me, you know, do some kind of like rampage recaps and and coverage in general, that's something I can totally do. I think from my perspective recently, uh, you know, they said, or, you know, Tony said that rampage was not going to be a B show. It has very much felt like a B show to me the past few weeks. Um, some exceptions there, obviously that Big street fight that was in the news and was obviously made a real focal point of AEW's you know promotion of their product. Uh, with the exception of that, though, more often than not for me, uh, there's one there's usually one match for each episode of Rampage that I'm dying to see, and the rest of it I could take or leave. And oftentimes, uh, Rampage they also will devote a segment to a promo video, essentially. Uh, Like, oh, here's a special look at Hook's submission finisher, or here's a special look at this Thunder Rosa feud. When you have the kind of talent roster that AEW has, uh, that's pretty inexcusable for me. You should not be using a segment on a Friday night show on TNT to highlight other feuds or to do anything other than showcase the talent that you have that does not even make it to TV a lot of times or kind of languishes on dark or things of that nature there's a lot of people that they're either not using or they could be using more uh, that I would love to see on rampage and actually give them something to do give them a little feud give them a nice match that's not just a dark squash uh, this is what they should be using rampage for and you know, if, it, if that's what it was, you know, if it really was not a B show, but the exact same like quality of wrestling, the exact same stars, uh, if that was Rampage, I would be more than interested in reviewing this, in reviewing it every week. And, you know, if you folks out there, if you'd like to see me review it, I'll even do it anyway, even though it is pretty clearly a subpar show past few weeks. Um, but if you folks would like to see me do that, then I definitely will. Um, so let me know again on Twitter at Blake on wax. Uh, so we've come to the end of an episode again. Uh, thanks so much for giving me another shot. I'm hoping that this show is a little bit better than the preview show. And I'm really just looking to get just a little bit better each and every time. And, uh, so thank you for listening. Thanks for your feedback. And in closing, This week's words of wisdom are for one, Jungle Boy. Now, I'm not talking about Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. The words of wisdom, they're always just for one person. I'm talking to you, Jungle Boy. Uh, So, yeah, this week's, the weekly words of wisdom are for Jungle Boy. And they are this. If a 48-year-old man approaches you, says that he's gonna show you the ropes, says that he has all the answers, it's probably too good to be true. And, Jungle Boy, it might be time for you to finally take a page out of your dad's playbook. Or rather, I should say, take a page out of your dad's most prominent role, out of his playbook that's right folks one Dylan McKay who had this to say may the bridges I burn light my way think about it junk boy see you next week people